This program is sponsored by Blazing Grace Ministries. This radio program is PG-13. Parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. Send me Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung. Hey, Mike Janung here, and welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio. Thank you for joining us on this battlefield that we call life. These days, and today I welcome back Tim Peterson to the program. Tim is a counselor, he's a pastor, he's a missionary, having served time in Uganda. He leads our men's ministry, he counsels individuals and couples, including doing intensives. So, Tim, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Mike. Good to be back. Good to have you. So today we're going to be getting into how to rebuild trust in a marriage and what proper boundaries look like as well. So we have questionnaires that a couple will fill out when they come to us and they want counseling. And one of those questions is for the wife to rate her trust in her husband on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being best, and realize these are usually couples who have porn addiction or adultery in their marriage. And so they've They were pretty much traumatized, and it's not rare for the wife to come in and answer that question that her trust is a zero or a one, which really is a marriage on life support. So, Tim, when you have a couple coming to you in this situation, how do you help them rebuild trust? (laughs) That's a... That's a big question, Mike. You know that we've talked about that a number of times. And uh, but let let me start um, with what I've seen often with the the wives. That many times I've seen places where they have either been abused in some form or another, or have um, been in a place of mistrust or distrust in their. Um, in their childhood, growing up time, um, whether it's not trusting parents or church people or something like that. And so there's validity in what they're feeling then also with their husband. Absolute validity. They can't trust a, a husband that lies to them and has been lying to them and hiding for however many years along the way, or saying, yes, I've gotten out of it and is still dabbling in it or is still fully in it. Um, So often I will start with trying to even ask that question of the wives, what have you been through in your life already? Um, Because then the husband is perpetuating those wounds. And then where do you move them from there? Then trying to talk about uh, what the husband is 
or should be doing to um, step away from that sexual sin, whatever it is, and um, also step away from dishonesty and um, any kind of lack of integrity. Um, But starting with, I think, the putting up parameters as far as any access to that same sexual sin or something like it. Um, So that would be, as you even listed in the couple's um, workbook, um, accountability software, that would be having an accountability partner regularly. Um, It would also be cutting off any contacts with anybody, which would include software, um, maybe social media, but even also those things that seem to be neutral, but for the husband, it's a gateway to go back into the sexual sin, which could be news programs, um, news apps. It could be any kind of sports uh, type of thing. And sometimes even just watching TV is a big uh, gateway for them to step back into the sexual sin. Mm. Um, There's many other scenarios, but those would be a, a main thing. Um, Then I think the other part of that is the integrity, the increased integrity. So often I will deal with the men and say, okay, any kind of twisting words, any kind of adding to or subtracting that isn't truth, isn't true reality, um, that, that will try to protect you from getting in trouble, so-called trouble, um, that all has to be done away with. But it can even be putting yourself in a more positive light than you should. Um, Speaking truth, speaking reality is the most important thing. So what do you say to the husband? Unfortunately, this does happen from time to time where he says, ah, I don't need a group. I can handle this on my own. Um, well, the, the, the crass way of putting it is, how's that been working out for you? Um, I, I usually speak it a lot more kindly (laughs) talking to individuals, but the reality is what has been the pattern and let's look at the pattern. And if you don't think anybody else needs to be involved how will you stay in that on that course when you your everything in your being wants to divert from it? You know in your head maybe that vaguely that you shouldn't be doing this, but everything else is saying you have to. You there's you have no choice. So if you have somebody else that is that knows that you can text, you can call, you can have coffee with whatever and say, I've got to get, I've got to get my mind straight. Um, as well as those people that, especially at the beginning are daily contacts that you are, you're calling or texting and saying, Hey, here's how I'm doing today. Here's how the last 24 hours have been. So talk to the issue of whether it's words or actions that play a big role in rebuilding trust? 
Oh, well, I, you're probably just going back to the Bible on that. Um, <laughs> Jesus is very clear that the words mean nothing if there's not uh, consistency with the actions. And, um, and that's a difficult thing because the guys feel like often I, I can stay out of trouble. I know I was in that position. If I use the right words, I can stay out of trouble. I, then I can do what I want behind the scenes. The problem is, is that that's eroding the relationship, whether either partner understands that or not. It is, by God's um, way, eroding the relationship. And ultimately, you're going to get a paper-thin relationship that might hold together, mm. but it, it doesn't. There's no thriving in the marriage. So basically, kind of sum it up, be doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. There you go. That's the scripture. <laughs> so let's say the couple goes along six months, and let's say the husband throws himself all the way in, which um, is critical. <laughs> And he gets some absence behind his belt, but the wife is stuck uh, in the hurt, maybe some anger and and bitterness. Uh, Then what do you do? Um, If I find them in that place or I'm helping um, the husband and or the wife along the way, um, for the husband, there has to be some... Um, emotional connection with their wives, uh, which is very difficult when she keeps feeling like the past is coming up to haunt them both. Mm. And um, that means I, I've got to try to help the husband. I think it's God helping the husband to see his wife's heart in a place of, of hurting and pain and um, I'm not sure I can go on day to day because of all this pain. One of the things that I've found is is very helpful. As I was wa- walking through with one husband, uh, his his wife said, "You've never grieved the past," and he came to me and said, "I don't even know what that looks like. What does it mean to grieve the past?" And so we talked about it a little bit, and she had said that our marriage was a lie, so I can't even think about my wedding without all of that pain that you weren't even present during our wedding, or the birth of our first child, uh, the pregnancy before that, that you weren't present, you were actually divided in heart and pursuing all these other things. And so I, I tried to help him, and I've, I've done it with a number of, of husbands, to identify what it is that, you, that has been lost. It's not whether you feel like it's been lost. It, it has been lost. That whole beginning of the marriage is not what it seemed to be. And so how do I grieve you can talk about those uh, events that happened, and in that moment, 
realize I was not present. And what happened with my wife? She was standing alone at the altar, all dressed up, and her husband wasn't present. Oh, he, he was there, but he wasn't present. And maybe he was present for the, the wedding, but what happened at the reception or, or days after? Was he truly present? And husband, can you grieve for your wife to be in that position? Can you realize that there is pain that she felt at that, even though she didn't know what was going on? And taking them through each of those places, but then asking Jesus to come back and heal that in them. Um, But they also then need to go to their wife and walk each of those events through to be very real and honest with the pain that might be there for husbands and then to ask their wives, is that how it felt? Mm. Um, Using extreme language, I would say, even. Um, Did you feel abandoned, like, like you knew something was missing at the wedding, but you didn't know what, and you couldn't get through to me. You didn't know how to get through to me. Um, so that's just one example. <clears throat> so what I'm hearing to kind of give men some black and white, because we like black and white, is listening and asking questions is important. Is that true? <laughs> Uh, probably in every area of the marriage, absolutely. And I would say in fatherhood also and in brotherhood, and yeah, that's a good thing to do. Mm. Talk about forgiveness and trust. Um, specifically, the guy said, well, she's forgiven me. Why doesn't she trust me? How does that work out? Right. There's a big difference between forgiveness and trust. Um, forgiveness is... I believe at the very fundamental level, um, spiritually, it's, I am not the judge. God is the judge. I need to offer that person that I'm trying to judge back over to the true judge, God, for him to judge. The trust is more a matter of, can I open my heart in this situation before this other person who has in the past um, really stomped all over my heart. And um, are they going to stomp over, all over it again? Um, when they see their husband taking steps, when they see their husband moving toward them emotionally and, and understanding what they've been through, that has to be a choice. Am I going to move that direction? And then the trust actually, I think, needs to be moved on to God. God, do I move toward this right now? Um, should I wait? Um, because there are some things that you're showing me that have, have just are missing. And I think for a lot of wives, there's a general feeling that mm, I'm not sure that I could trust him. Um, I would encourage the wives to go back and take some time with God and say, God, can I please trust him, even though I don't feel like it? Can I put my trust in you to protect me 
to guide me. And if there's a point where I need to pull back, would you tell me that I need to pull back? Mm. And, and yet also, God, if there's times when I don't want to move forward and you are saying you need to move toward your husband, then I think that's a, a place where we call on God and say, God, help me to do what I right now feel like I can't do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say also for the wise, you need a godly woman to be around you, to be there that knows your story, that knows the difficulty with your husbands. And husbands, that has to be okay. They need that other person to give them perspective and not you. Um, but that other lady that's there for them, that is a solid believer, that is also listening to Jesus, um, listen to them. Listen to them carefully, wise. And when they say, I think that this is a place where you maybe have more fear than trust in God, fear of what your husband might do versus the trust in God. Speaking of fear, so let's go into what healthy boundaries are and how fear and control can thwart that. Mm. Yeah, that's a that's a very difficult one because many people, especially those that have been in the church, have heard about boundaries, and I think it's a, often maybe misunderstood that I get to figure out what the boundary, what I want the boundaries to be. And so if I am somebody who has lived in trauma, abuse, then even though I've worked through my own trauma and my abuse, there can still be fear of um, something coming. So I have to put up that boundary and block off not only my husband, but maybe other people in my life, and maybe even God. And so I, I believe that's a matter of saying, God, again, can you be that fortress? Can you be that protector around me and show me what I am able to move into and, and to believe what you're telling me? And the hard part is the um, response or the, the reaction. If our husbands are not trustworthy and we've stepped out in faith, then something ha- happens. We can feel like God betrayed us, not only our husband. And that, that is an uh, a extremely painful place to be. And yet, we also, I think, then need to say, God, give me your perspective on this. Do I need to step back? Do I need to call out for other people to come around, my, myself, my husband, to bring some clarity in the relationship? And, and then, wise, that's where your sister that's walking with you and encourage you in prayer to come to God and say, God, I need to come to that place where I can trust you again and then trust um, that you will protect me in the right places. 
um, when the pain comes, it doesn't mean that God has betrayed you. It means that he, if he's told you to move forward and you move forward, then we need to say, God, you've got to fill me up in my empty place, in the place of suffering. And only you know if I've obeyed or not obeyed. We're about, I think, about two minutes away here. In about 60 seconds, I know this is a big question. How do they cope if he slips? <laughs> That's the stability they need around them. The And I wouldn't even just say one person. One person primarily, um, their relationship with God um, but that's calling out truth, too. This is where my heart hurts. This is what I believe my husband's done. And um, sister, um, husband, tell me, um, what wh- what is going on? What is the truth of the situation from your standpoint? And to rely on God in that. Um, I don't even know if I have time, but husband's... Um, You've got to go to God. You've got to be leaning on your brothers in the same sort of way to give you reality. Hmm. Um, Actually, we do have a couple more minutes. So talk about prayer and how critical that is for the individual and the couple. Prayer for the individual is the beginning, I believe, of, of opening our hearts and being vulnerable to God primarily, and that means an, a completely open and honest relationship. At times it can be guarded at the beginning, but increasingly more and more open, more and more raw. Um, you can see this in the Psalms with David, where he's angry with God to some extent that God hasn't come through but he also responds to what God has to say to him. So I've had some times of ranting and raving with God, um, but then also having to say, I need to stop and listen to you. I need to hear your response. You're speaking truth into my heart at that raw place. And the husband and the wife doing that in in a way that is very real before God by themselves they also then need to move together and to talk about those in prayer with God, um, gently and maybe carefully exposing parts of their hearts with before God and asking God to open their hearts even further toward the other person. Um, so, Yeah, you made a comment I'll, that I always uh, stuck with me some months ago that <clears throat> the uh, and we do have two minutes. The um, those who dabble in prayer, in the context of the men recovering, don't really recover very well. And those who throw themselves all the way into prayer are the ones who, I mean, it's still a bumpy road, but they make progress. Speak to that. I, I just think that's the reality of God. He allows us to go our own way. And if we want to dabble in prayer and add him on like a, a little um, add-on on <laughs> on an app or something like that, 
um, he's not the central focus of who we are and what we do. If we just add him on and dabble in prayer, um, he's going to say, okay, have your way. But when we do throw ourselves into prayer and say, I need to understand how to, even how to pray, what does this look like to pray like Jesus did all night long? What did that look like to him? And what did he do with his father? What was that conversation like with his father? Um, those people that pursue that and grow in that, I think, are opening their hearts to what God wants to do in them and, and transforms them. Tim, that. Uh- 25 seconds, anything you want to say? Uh, I would say um, to the husbands and wives, you have the potential of calling quits to this marriage by your actions, by your attitude, by your response. Um, But depending on God to say um, what he has done, he can sustain if we're really willing to respond to him. Thank you, Tim, and It's been great as usual, and thank you, my friends, for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time. Do you want to be free? Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Janung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org. Email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144. This program was sponsored by Blazing Grace Ministries.